Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, August 16th. We begin with our monthly chat with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. This time out, the chief addresses the recent surge in gun violence in the city and the CPS's plan to combat the disturbing trend. Inflation and the general rise in the cost of living has impacted all of us. And now we're hearing that post-secondary students in the province are being hit particularly hard. We hear from the University of Calgary's Students Union about the doubling demand for help from on-campus food banks. Back-to-school shopping can be very stressful for parents experiencing financial difficulties. We speak with personal finance expert Barry Choi for some tips to stretch your back-to-school shopping dollars. Once a month, we have the opportunity to check in and chat with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld and look at some of the big issues that are facing the city and our safety. And Chief Newfeld joins us now. Good morning, Chief. Thanks for being with us. Hey, good morning, Sue. Morning, Andy. Hope you're having a great summer so far. Um, I know a couple of, well, very you know, high-profile incidents are probably uh, causing some concern at the uh, CPS. Obviously, we saw a couple of uh, public incidents of gun violence, Market Mall, Deerfoot City, over the past uh, week or so. Public, very public, brazen. Both have been declared targeted, I believe. Is that correct? It is. Yes, that's true. So are we seeing an upsurge in gang violence again, Chief? Well, you know what? It's it's actually an interesting time because, of course, and it's a really good thing, I think, that we're actually seeing a light being shone on it. We're having the public conversations. This has been a top priority for us since, well, as long as I've been here, so going back to 2019, and even through the pandemic, it's been a top priority. So statistically, we're down about 30% from where we were this time last year on shootings. I think we've been at about 65 this year versus 90 at this time last year. So, so that part of the story is good statistically, but that doesn't take away from the fact that one of these is one too many. And you know, on the weekend we saw, as you mentioned, the shooting at the rec room, I think 10.30 on a, on a uh, Friday night, and then the shooting at Market Mall at 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. And h- highly public, highly impactful on people, highly concerning as it should be. And I think it's a reminder for us all that we all need to be engaged um, in, the, uh, in the fight against this and take it very, very personally in our community. Uh, this is, you know, this is, this is not appropriate. It's, it's stupid, it's dangerous, and it needs to stop. When you, when you say we should be vigilant kind of together, as a member of the general public, what sorts of things can we do? How can we be, quote unquote, vigilant? Yeah, great question, Andy. I think when we were talking about um, the percentage of the shootings in the city that are actually attributable to organized crime, it's one thing that's really important for people to know is that oftentimes the people that are involved directly, whether they're the ones being shot at or or uh, witnesses or that type of thing, don't typically cooperate with the police in the investigation. And I think the thinking there is that, well, we'll take care of this ourselves. And what that means is another shooting is being planned sort of at the, at the scene of the first one. And so where we have uh, Calgarians out that are actually um, getting dash cam footage or they uh, have an opportunity to witness something, um, we need to make sure that you're plugging in with the police and providing that information. And we need to make sure that, like I say, as a community, we take this very seriously and very personally and we provide the information for uh, individuals who either won't because they don't want to uh, cooperate with the, the regular authorities or can't, as is the case of the individual at Market Mall who uh, perished in that shooting. So I think we as a community where we have information that might actually help the police to be able to uh, bring people to justice and hold them to account, we need to make sure that that flows because that's really, really important. Chief, obviously, I mean, we're uneasy about crime, whether it be random or considered targeted. Was this the motivation then behind the CPS's new community safety campaign? Can you tell us a bit about it? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't say that this was completely the motive, uh, Sue. This is part of it, of course. Um, gun and gang violence is one of the things we face in the city and obviously one of the most important. But uh, recently, the police commission did a survey of Calgarians around the communication that was coming uh, out from CPS. And one of the things we heard loud and clear from people was that they actually wanted to hear a bit more about what was going on in their communities. So not so much about what the, the broader trends are in Calgary. I think people are interested in that too. But also they wanted uh, information that was a bit more personal and a bit more at the community level. And then also hearing about what can we do to help. And so this uh, most recent campaign is really around that. And so you'll see us bringing that kind of uh, that level of information and sort of things focused around crime prevention uh, to Calgarians and doing it in multiple languages and doing it around seasonal issues and things that concern Calgarians most so that they can be engaged in a way that they've asked us to engage them. And I guess, is, is that the, the huge piece of it, Chief, the communication piece in the sense that like, you know, something, a, a campaign like this to build trust within the different communities, it's not a one size fits all. So is it more about the open communications between these individual communities and the CPS? It is, and I think when we have an opportunity, like the survey by the commission, I think was a great opportunity to engage various communities to hear what, what they needed from the police and what they wanted right now. And there is an unease, and it has to do with, uh, obviously, public, uh, um, you know, shocking events, like, like some of the shootings that we're speaking of, but also just the day-to-day -day, um, issues that they're facing just around the community. I was out yesterday and uh, working and getting on the C-Train platforms and stuff like that, and seeing some of the issues that Calgarians are seeing just as they move around the city. And so they want to know, you know, sort of what's happening in relation to some of these challenges and what kind of progress we're making and also have an opportunity to be able to get updates and information. And I think this campaign will be one of the ways that we can actually meet that need. You talk about, you know, you being out and about on the, the C-Train platforms. Is that something that you think is important as the chief to, to be out and to be seen and, and to show people that, you know, you and your team, you're out there, you're working hard every day? Yeah, I think it is. And for me, it's really helpful, I think, on two fronts. One is, you know, it's been a difficult time for our employees. We're, we're sort of short uh, people. And also, it's been a challenging time to deal with many of the challenges that we're facing uh, in the community. So for me to get out and connect with our members and hear some of the challenges firsthand, I think, is important. But also to connect with Calgarians. And it's really important to me, and it has been from the start, to be accessible and to be out and about and to be uh, accessible to our people and also just Calgarians from day to day to see and hear from them. And so I, I enjoy and I try to get out as often as I can. Okay, here's your chance to give a plug, Chief. You mentioned that you're short of people. Uh, who makes a good CPS employee? And, uh, you know, on the other side, what are you looking for, uh, you know, as an employer? Who, who should be interested and what's the process? Oh, man, I think there's lots of opportunities and I think there is no there's no one size fits all. I think if you think about the community that we serve, very diverse and, and uh, lots of different needs. I actually have an opportunity to welcome the recruits when they come into the police service. And one of the things I tell them is that, you know, our sort of thinking on what makes a good police officer has changed. Back when I started, I remember, you know, you know, our, our sergeants and our class leaders telling us, you know, we're going to make police officers out of you. And the thinking was that, you know, regardless of what your background was or where you came from, we'll actually mold you into this, you know, this this single sort of uh, vision we have of a police officer. But I actually think we need people that represent all communities and actually the, the history and the experience that you bring in is really what's um, unique and what's interesting about you. And I encourage them to use those things to actually connect with Calgarians. And we, I'm always blown away by the quality of the people that come into the organization. And so again, they're coming from all walks of life. And really the, the big thing is people that are actually interested in sort of making a difference and serving 
the community. I think that's the biggest thing. If you if you have kind of a heart for service and you want to come in and make a difference and serve your community, here's a place that you can make a real difference and, and have a very impactful career. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think we, we've got a really diverse city now and, and it, it, you know, CPS needs to be reflected that way, whether it be male, female, and, you know, everybody else across the spectrum who lives in this city. What, I'm curious, what is the, the male to female ratio? Is there are, are there more and more women who want to be part of the CPS these days? Well, there is. There's been a couple of really great um, uh, initiatives recently around, um, you're probably aware of the Camp Courage that you reported on. And also internally, we've run, uh, you know, campaigns just for female applicants. Um, and so that's been really highly subscribed as well. If you look at uh, the sworn member uh, ratio, Sue, just to answer your question, the number is somewhere between 20 and 30 percent. And we'd love to we'd love to move it up uh, even higher. Uh, and then suddenly, if we actually blend in all employees, so sworn and civilian, uh, the number is even higher than that. So we do. We recently completed a workforce census so that we would kind of know what our workforce looks like right now. And the idea behind that too was to be able to have a baseline. So in future, as we try to continue to re recruit across the communities to be more reflective, we'll be able to see the progress we're making. And so a lot of things that we learned about uh, our workforce from that census were actually really eye-opening. Uh, really impressed with the people who are here. Thanks for your time this morning, Chief. We'll catch up again next month. Thanks, you guys. Have a great uh, day and the great rest of your summer. You too. That is uh, Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. First, it was housing. Now it's food. Alberta post-secondary students can't catch a break as the cost of living continues to rise. Alberta campus food banks across the province have seen a doubling in demand. To talk about the issue and what's being done to perhaps address it, we're joined by Ermia Raziai Asfa, who is the VP of Student Life with the U of C Students Union. Good morning to you, Ermia. Good morning. Well, let's talk about this situation. I mean, obviously, it's it's never easy to put ends uh, together when you're a student. I think anybody who's been a student post-secondary knows that. But can you give us a, a bit of a uh, chronicle of the issue right now, just how bad it is for these students? Yeah, uh, here at the University of Calgary, we've seen at our food bank that uh, two-thirds of students here report experiencing some form of food insecurity. Uh, half of that, uh, half of that two-third is severe, and the other half reports being moderate. Uh, and we know this because um, we've seen food bank hamper requests almost double compared to the last year, uh, so far this year. And we know that um, the food bank has, well, so far been able to keep up with the demand, could very easily uh, uh, be unable to, uh, depending on how much um, support and assistance we receive in the coming months because we just we're just seeing the numbers skyrocket can you kind of chalk it up to anything in particular does it appear to be inflation is it you know something else at play here can is there anything across the board you can look at or is it just a whole bunch of factors it's a whole bunch of factors i don't think it's uh any single factor i think that it's most definitely uh uh connected to the increased cost of living that everyone in Alberta, everyone in Calgary is experiencing. Uh, more, uh, I know that for students, uh, there's the complicating factor of tuition fees because tuition has gone up by, in some faculties, almost 70% in the past four years. Uh, you know, uh, and in addition to that, um, 
we know that that uh, tuition being going up by seventy percent in some faculties. It might not be all faculties that has it has gone up by seventy percent, but there's no faculties that are reducing costs at this time. COVID has complicated everything. Inflation has complicated everything. Textbook companies are increasing their prices. It's it's not a favorable situation for anyone. Absolutely not. When you talk about the uh, student food bank, uh, can the general public outside the UC campus, outside the you know pe- post secondary world, can we donate directly to that student food bank? How does that work? Yeah, uh, at the University of Calgary, uh, the Students Union Food Bank. If you visit the website. Uh, if you put in Google, just real, uh, put in SUUFC Food Bank, it'll come up. The website's domain name is just uh, SU, uh, uh, www.su.ucalgary.ca, and you can donate directly there. You can also come and drop off uh, non-perishables, if you'd like, at the University of Calgary campus in McEwen Hall. Uh, it's very easy to donate to us. I hope people will. I mean, as you know, a lot of people struggling for sure. And, you know, you got kids there trying to trying to learn and be better uh, parts of society by being educated and, and struggling to get enough food to eat. So thanks so much for bringing it to our attention. Appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Ermia Razai Afsa is the VP of Student Life, University of Calgary's Student Union. With the cost of living so high, school supplies can become an extra financial burden on families. In fact, a recent Retail Council of Canada survey shows that 77% of people spend over $50 when back-to-school shopping. We're joined this morning by finance expert Barry Choi, who has some tips and tricks for navigating back-to-school spending. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Sue and I both kind of shook our heads when we read that (laughs) people will be spending over $50. I think I've done that and I've bought two or three items. This is a, a complete average though, right, Barry? Because I know that it can go a lot higher than that for families. You know what? That average seems low to me. I just came back from the U.S. I bought my daughter a brand new backpack. Yes. And I think it came out to like 70 Canadian. Yes. And I thought that was expensive, but I think it's like a normal price these days. I don't know. Maybe I'm shopping at the wrong places. Maybe prices have gone up due to inflation since I was in high school. Uh, but Sue, it sounds like you really agree with me here. I do, Barry. I just bought my son a backpack, and it was sixty bucks when the taxes were all in. So, I mean, just that, and I, don't, I haven't even bought a pencil yet. <laughs> That's exactly it, and it's kind of funny. My daughter's going to grade one, and my wife had to remind me. It's like, oh, they don't give school supplies anymore, mm. and I was kind of in shock. But then, like, I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten. It's like, oh, you got to pay for the field trips. You got to pay for everything. It's like, you're like, what aren't you paying for? And that's during the school year. And we haven't even started the school year yet, and we're already complaining about how much we're spending. And, Barry, I guess let's start from the start. Are there certain stores that have better priced options for the general supplies than the others? I mean, I think that, and it's not to to, to favor one store or the other. I'm thinking if you go to, like, a supply store like a Staples, they'll have everything you need. But are their prices better than a Walmart or, you know, London Drugs or a Superstore, for example? You know what? There's a few different ways of looking at this. So, yes, certain stores will cost less than others. You know, typically Walmart has the lowest prices. That said, think about where you live and what's the closest store. But more importantly, what I recommend to people is to price compare with the deals app such as Flip or Rebe, because basically you can look at what's on sale online and then you can potentially price match at certain stores or say there's a more a big ticket item you need to purchase for a uh, high school student, a university student, maybe a certain laptop. You can see what's on sale, where it is, and then you can look for that best 
savings. So there's so you don't need to commit to one store is what I'm getting at. Yeah, fair point for sure. And, you know, you talk about price matching. What about loyalty or rewards programs? Are there any that kind of do that for school supplies? You know, again, it really comes down to where you spend your money, where you do your shopping, and what credit cards you have. For example, let's say you shop regularly at Walmart, then getting the Walmart Rewards World MasterCard is beneficial since it has no annual fee and allows you to earn Walmart Rewards dollars on every single purchase. Uh, But, you know, think about what cards you already have in your wallet. Do you have a card that earns you cash back rewards? Or is there a store that you already shop at that you're a loyalty member of? Can you cash in your points? Can you earn points? Because, you know, earning points is is always fun, but cashing in your points for free stuff is always better. We do know that buying in bulk can save us money if you're buying en masse. Can the same be said for back to school? So, for example, can I buy, you know, enough pencils for four years? (laughs) You know what? I like that you brought up this question. It depends on how much you're buying. You know, when I was in high school, and I don't want to date myself, but this was more than 20 years ago, I remember buying stacks of of printer paper because it was like a dollar for 500 sheets. And I literally still have sheets of paper left. And this is, again, more than 20 years ago. So, yeah, buying in bulk could technically save you money. But, like, you got to think about, do you really need it? Uh, But sometimes think about the community that you live in or even the building you live in. Are you friends with the neighbors? Is there a sale at Costco where you could buy in bulk and it significantly brings down the price? Can you split it with family? Can you split it with friends? Can you split it with your neighbors? Yes, buying in bulk can be worth it, but you don't want to be like me and hang on to those supplies for 20 years. As somebody uh, on the text line saying the dollar store is a great place too. I mean, anywhere you where you can find a deal. And uh, mm-hmm. Barry, I think you probably agree with me that you don't always have to go and buy brand new too. Because I did it for the first mm-hmm. few years, right? Where you get the school list and Staples is great. They've got everything and, and fantastic supplies, but you could just put in your order and go pick up your bag of stuff at Staples. And then you do it every single year, kind of without thinking. Well, I decided, forget it. I'm not doing it. My kid wrote three pages in that notebook. I'm ripping those three pages out and I'm keeping the notebook for next year. And I don't care whether they like it or not. You know what? There are so many ways, and it's not necessarily just buying used, but I'll get to that in a second. But I, I think you've hit one thing right on the head here in the sense that you got to do an inventory of what you have at home because quite often your kids will be like oh i need this i need this and you just kind of take them at face value my daughter does this mm-hmm. and she's six but i'll go into her room and i'll say like you've got more than enough crayons to last you a lifetime and again you're six right <laughs> uh, so so it's like you don't need any crayons you don't need, need more notebooks i know how many notebooks you have that said as far as buying used is concerned there can be a lot of benefits depending on how old your kids so if you if you kids are going to university or college Buying used textbooks is a great way to save because they don't update them every single year. I did that when I was in college, saved about 50%. Sometimes, you know, if you buy a used laptop, it can still be valuable. Some people want to get rid of their laptops after a year or two, you can save 25 to 50%. And honestly, even buying used clothes, especially if your kids are younger in kindergarten, entering school for the first time, we all know how quickly kids grow up. And my daughter has outgrown her clothes so quickly, and sometimes I wonder why they're even bothered buying you. You know, Barry, you're Barry Troy, by the way, personal finance expert. That is your realm. That is your world. So this is more of a maybe a psychological question, but because we're trying to save some money and because we you know want our kids to have what they need, mm-hmm. is it perhaps better not to bring them with us when we're shopping because what they want might you know kind of overshadow what they need and you might end up spending a lot more. You know what? I tell my wife this all the time, but she doesn't let me leave my kid at home by herself undefended for some reason. I don't know why, but, you know, when I was just talking about buying that backpack, I was in the store, I was, we were actually on vacation, and then my wife's like, oh, she needs a pencil case. 
Oh, does she need a new water bottle? I'm like, she's got like four water bottles. What are you talking about? How much more stuff do you need? Uh, and then while you're in that store, she ends up like, can I get a toy? Can I get a snack? So it's not just the school supplies, but you're right. Trying to leave the kids at home or maybe having one parent go, uh, you know, we talked about creating that list. You want to just make sure that you stick to that list, and sometimes you just got to ignore your child more often than you already do. I like that. That's my favorite line of the day. Sometimes you just have to ignore your child. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's an important topic. We're just around the corner from the start of school, so thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Anytime. Thank you, Barry Choi, personal finance expert. And a great text from Donna, who said, every year when my kids come home on the last day of school, I do an inventory and I sort things. It's surprising how much you can reuse. I do the same, you Donna. Said this for your, you say that you have a mini staples in your basement. I do. I have a filing cabinet and I just put all the stuff in there, the dividers, the folders, the notebooks, whatever. They barely use half that stuff. Boxes of pencils that come back, whatever. I put it in there. I know where it's always in the same drawer and then that's where their new stuff comes from i'm not going out and buying new again no. just not that's can't make huge me. yeah but they give them one nice thing like maybe that new thermos or, or that new every, lunch a new I eraser an eraser always is nice when it's new and clean and ready to go right you need something brand you need the whole brand new shebang no. every year and they always want a brand new backpack yes okay I get that. yeah who doesn't love something new but backpacks are at least 60 50 60 bucks right if you can go and use your backpack a couple of times over i had a piece of duct tape in the bottom of yep. my son's backpack for a couple of years so you know you can do it